From the midst of the Balboa family reunion, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Now, please welcome charter members of Team Edward, Wade Major, and Mark Kaiser. Yes, we are charter members of Team Edward. Thanks to, who sent that in? Nicholas Gordon. Thanks, Nick. Nicholas Gordon has sent a lot of good ones in. And you know, Mark, it's getting to be that time. We're going to need some new ones. Wait, I'm sick. Uh, uh, well, it's like you're not... T- you know what? The sky is blue. So... How dare you? On, I on, took the day off work today. Well, good for you. But Can you're doing this. I am. You didn't take the day off from the podcast. I did not. There we go. I also made a soup for myself, which yeah, you, which you will dis- not eat. Which you, well, you will not even try. Bac- it's got bacon in it. It's three mushroom and bacon soup. Cr- cream of... Cream of three mushroom soup with bacon in it. That's great. It That's might as so well. Good. It might as well be like cream of puppy soup. It's so good. Really? I, I'm you not, really hate bacon that much? No, I just don't eat bacon. It's so good. I just don't eat. Uh, I listen, I don't eat anything that is that doesn't Hoven. have feathers. That doesn't have feathers. <laughs> uh, I stick with I stick with the feathered things, and not even all of those. But I do eat things. You know, like pheasant. I love pheasant. Pigs have feathers. Pigs don't have feathers. What? What if I? What if I took a pig? That's a fine feathered pig. What if I took a pig and and, and taped feathers onto it and said, "Wait, I'm going to slaughter this pig right now. This pig, going to slaughter right now, and I will make bacon from this pig. Will you eat it because it has feathers?" No, no. Turkey bacon, I'll eat. Oh, really? Yeah. Of I almost course. made I almost made this recipe with turkey bacon, but I'm glad I didn't. And by the way, my preferred, not that this has anything to do with DVDs. Oh, yes, as it per does. usual, but oh, um, yes, my, my preference for all kinds of bacon, but, but turkey bacon mainly, since that's the only thing I eat now, is that you, uh, you've got to cook it slow and long until it gets crispy, when it has that real salty taste to it, where it just, it's fragile, it almost breaks, it almost shatters when you drop it on the plate. That's how I like it. So if I would have made this with turkey bacon, you would have tried it? Sure. You wouldn't? You're saying that? No, I would have. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, has creamy cream. <laughs> the more cream, the better. I, I cream and soup, absolutely, rock on. Okay, fine. Uh, you know, a little bit of housekeeping. Then we we are going to be <laughs> soliciting some uh, new openings for the uh, the next round because we're going to run out in a couple of months. We, you know so, what? It seems like we're starting early, but by the time everyone gets their act yeah, together, get your act they, together. You know, you know the drill. You know how the openings work. It's uh, from the hootsie hootsie hootsie, uh, or you know, I Jim Digigod's Wade Major here. They are, but you know the you know the drill, the format. Listen to any show. It's uh, it's obvious. It, it doesn't change. It doesn't change. It hasn't changed in five years. No, it hasn't. But uh, go ahead and email those or anything else you have on your mind to gods at digigods dot com. That is gods at digigods dot com. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll put him aside and we'll have another uh, recording session with Bob because uh, he's not really live here every week. And, uh, he's we not? No. And uh, we're also going to have some listener mail today. We've got a giveaway today. And we also have, we have a giveaway. We have a really cool giveaway. And we also, have, we also have a request. We, we uh, have a yes, request we to tell a story. I will turn the table to you. Oh, you tell the Here's story. Here's the gavel. You have, you have such a better memory than I do. Uh, of, of, of the well, story. set it up. Well, where, g- g- give me the email. There we go. Now, as you know, Stupid for, Stupid for Movies no longer exists. It is done. Uh, what If Mike wants to uh, take Streaming Garage and uh, relaunch it with two new people, that is uh, that is his prerogative, and I hope it's two great people that you all will enjoy. I don't know if that'll happen, when it'll happen. I have no idea. I got nothing to do with it. I am, I am, I've washed my hands of it. And uh, But again, we still have the podcast, as you can tell by the fact that you're listening to this. The podcast isn't going anywhere. So um, on Facebook, I had promised a longtime listener whose name I'm going to destroy, not the Alexander part, the, the, the surname part, uh, Ber- Berlica. I'm going for it. I'm 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 I'm, I'm putting, uh, I'm putting I, Berlica y- out there. Yeah, I'm going to say, uh, sh- yeah, I'm going to say Alexander Berlica. Sure, I'll go with that. <laughs> We, uh, we apologize in advance. Uh, anyway, on the Facebook page, uh, I promised Alexander that I would tell uh, or retell. Longtime listeners have heard this story, but it's been a couple of years. Retell the story of visiting uh, our good friend Charles de Lazarica. Now, Charles de Lazarica had been visiting his Burbank, his old Burbank offices in the deluxe building. Yep. Now, and, uh, and, and what a cool building that is. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's over near the, uh, the airport, which is a horrible place to actually have to work, but a cool building. Yeah, it's the deluxe building, which is still there. And Charles isn't there anymore. No. And um, we, when we first hooked up with Charles, 
I think Charles might have emailed us and said he enjoyed the podcast. Well, yes, Charles. Charles uh, is a is a long time listener. I don't know how much he's able to listen anymore because he's been he's well he's crazy busy. He's got a big production on, company wait. and. <coughs> I'm not stopping the recording for this. I'm just gonna I'm gonna blow my nose through this podcast. Wow, so much to look forward to. <laughs> That's uh, it's a special moment. Well, let's, let's it, pause and commemorate this special moment in the history of the Digigods podcast. It, it, it also prompted me to make my delicious, well, it has cream in it, which isn't good when you're sick, but yeah, okay. uh, three mushrooms. Too much phlegm. Three mushroom and bacon soup. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, no, uh, Charles, longtime listener of the podcast, uh, obviously very, very busy because he's producing a lot of special edition DVDs and, you know, he's got a big operation going. He's got employees. He's making his own movie. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, but nonetheless, he took time out. He uh, emailed us a number of times. He's been uh, a really faithful friend, and uh, we've gotten to know him fairly well. And uh, he invited us down to the operation over there at the old deluxe building. And, uh, you know, we expected, well, you know, walk in some offices and sit down and talk to him and do a little interview. And it turned out to be much, much more, didn't it? Yeah, you went in there and uh, set that deluxe building, and there's a whole lot of paraphernalia there, mostly Ridley Scott related paraphernalia. I, in fact, I have a memory of it of an aliens of an alien pinball game. I don't know if you remember that. Vaguely, I do have a memory of this because Charles does all the Ridley Scott DVD and Blu-ray releases. He does all the extras. He's won plenty of awards for doing it. He's top of the heap in the industry in terms of DVD and Blu-ray extras. But it has all Ridley Scott's films. So that was exciting. And uh, so we went to interview him, and we noticed that um, there was a room that was part of the tour, because he was giving us the tour. Uh, and not everybody gets, gets to go into this room, and not everybody knows that this room exists. Fascinating. But, Absolutely fascinating. No, I didn't either, and, and it's it, still there. I didn't even tell you what it was. Vinny, if we go, go on. Go you are on. not even paying attention. I am. No, go ahead. I'm just, I'm just jumping the gun. I'm trying to accelerate the anticipation. <laughs> um, in the deluxe building, there is a miniature teeny-weeny Hard Rock Cafe. Itty-bitty. Exactly. Now, I can't remember the story because I'm old and I forgot. But I believe either the Hard Rock corporate offices were in that building or something was in that building that was related to the Hard Rock. And when the Hard Rock up and left, they kept that room. And the room, it's about, uh, you know, what is this, 600 square foot room, something like that, 1,000 square foot room? Yeah, something like that. You know, actually, it, you know what, actually, you know what, my... I, I'd almost say... My condo is 2,000 square feet. So is it bigger or smaller than my condo? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that room is probably about 850. Square feet, maybe yes. a little less than a thousand. It's so it's very just, intimate. It's, yes, it's just a box, and it's yeah. got all the same uh, signed guitars, yeah. and I believe it had a pool table. And it's funny because if you go, you know, I, I did a little bit of research uh, online about all the hard rocks around the world. It's not listed. It's not. I I, no. I, be, I believe it is the only uh, hard rock cafe that is like a private hard rock cafe. Yeah, it is. And certain people actually do know about this, but um, most people do not. And we went in there, and uh, it was super cool. And he said that, that now, from what I hear, they actually throw parties there. It's still there. And they throw parties there, and uh, people who are lucky enough to go get to go. And uh, it's interesting. It was really, it was a great little, it was a great little thing. It was a cool little um, look inside. Very private area of deluxe. Yep. I love it. It's cool. Anyways, it's still there. I don't know, you know, they, they no longer have, uh, Charles no longer has his offices there, but it's uh, it's still there. It is still there, yeah. and they still have, and you know what, and from what I've heard, actually, I've heard that they, sometimes they record um, audio commentaries in that room. Sweet. I've heard, I don't know if, don't know if that's true, Maybe but I, I've heard that. Maybe we should do one there. Huh? We should go do one there. No, we shouldn't. All right, well, uh, we're going to have some uh, listener mail later on in the show, and uh, a giveaway later in the show. But we're going to start off real quickly with some horror titles. You know, because it's uh, Halloween's a few months away. You want to get started early, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, why not? Uh, Rambach, Berlin Undead, is a, uh, a title from Bloody Disgusting, which is uh, it's an, it's a zombie film. It's one of these, um, pretty much the whole zombie genre was reinvented with uh, 28 Days Later. 
And now everything has to be all about uh, disease and infection and the whole thing. So we've obviously had everything from, you know, 28 months later to The Horde, that horrible French film that just drives me absolutely crazy, to those uh, Mexican films Wreck and Wreck 2, which, of course, are all kind of first-person video camera stuff. Uh, anyway, you know, yeah. you know, you know what movie I do? What do you want to do? I want to do a movie about a zombie mariachi band. Why? Like, you, you know when you go into a Mexican restaurant and yeah. the mariachi band, like usually like, it's two or three people, and they yeah. come to your table and play until you and, tell them to go the hell away. Now they'll just they'd, they'd eat be zombies. You. They'd eat you. That'd be awesome. Yeah, because it turns out that's how they eat. See, you, the whole <laughs> idea is that zombies. Here's the thing. No, it's, it's wait. Hang on. It's, it's it's very exciting. You know, zombies move very slowly. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So zombies can't chase after humans. However, if you can somehow lure the humans to actually sit down and relax, you can attack them unawares. So what they do is the zombie mariachi man, when you go to the Mexican restaurant and you sit down and maybe you're in the middle of your first course, you're kind of relaxed, maybe you've had a drink, so you're a little bit tipsy, the zombie mariachi man walks up to you and says, I'll play a song for you. And then right when they play That's a song, great. you attack. That's great. Zombie mariachi band. Well, Rambach, Berlin Undead, is uh, a, it's a German-made film, so everybody's getting in on the zombie thing. France, Germany, Mexico. And uh, it's basically the same thing. Guy shows up in Berlin, and uh, you know the zombies are biting people and eating people, and everything goes crazy. He's got a pretty much kind of the same plot as the Horde, except without the uh, the North African uh, criminals. Anyway, uh, kind of a sort of related in some ways to a movie called Siege of the Dead, which is another, which is the original Rambach film. Rambach is a you know German zombie thing, and then we got a couple of After Dark originals, uh, The Task. Which is not as uh, horrifying as it probably should be. You know, these things are just get it. it, it they're all kind of moving in uh, sort of a formulaic circle now in the wake of um, the Saw films, and uh, you know, the the whole game concept, game as uh, as horror, is getting a little bit old. Um, slightly better, slightly better, is uh, Scream of the Banshee, also an After Dark original. All of these are from uh, Lionsgate. Um, this one just has an actually a much better cast. Anything that uh, Lance Henriksen is in is just automatically going to be cool, even though he's become a straight-to-movie kind you of freak. You know what? He's, uh, he, he does stuff for $50,000. Oh, yeah, but he does. But he, he brings, you know, he brings something he's cool. cool to it. Yeah. He, come on, he, he played Bishop. Absolutely, that's right. He played, and he was also in The Right Stuff. Yeah. Right. You know, he's the man. Uh, no, this is, uh, this is based on kind of, uh, Irish horror lore and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a monster movie. What can you say? It's got Lauren Holly in it too, who sort of vanished once she, uh, divorced Jim Carrey. Isn't that weird? No. I think it is. <laughs> All right. And then, um, uh, Want to blow through some TV real quick? You know, way this is your favorite part of the show. Let's What's get it over with all, all that that British crap. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's just a couple of couple of British things here, Thank and I'll God. let you, uh, you. You love this junk. That's your that's your favorite stuff. Uh, from Acorn Media, we got a couple of good Acorn uh, releases here. Wired, which is a uh, <laughs> you're still blowing your nose, are you? <laughs> yes. Okay. Why did I so make a soup with cream in it? Yeah, I don't you know. You know, actually, the soup would have been fine without the cream, but the thing is that you know it has cream in it, and cream is good. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, Wired is pretty cool. This is a uh, this is classic British mystery. It's about it's on the long side, but it uh, it it stars Jodie Whittaker. You remember her in uh, Venus with the uh, opposite Peter O'Toole? Yeah, she was great. God, that was a long time. I Venus know. was good. He was nominated she, for an Oscar for that. I know. Well, she's fully grown up now, and she's still great. She's just terrific. Um, anyway, so this is uh, this is kind of a, an underworld. Uh, you know, undercover cop mystery um, thing. It's 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 kind of edgy and uh, very well written. Slow, however, very slow. And then, uh, for all you Miss Marple fans, the Julia McKenzie Miss Marple line. Thank How many old God. women have played Miss Marple? How many old women? All of them. From Angela Lansbury forward, like five. Every every little old lady in England has been Miss Marple at some point. Actually, I I, I believe that Abe Vigoda is going to be dressed in drag to do the next Miss Marple Probably. series. Uh, did, I, did I tell you when I was in Manhattan and uh, oh, I watched Fiddler on the Roof this last weekend on Blu-ray again? Oh, really? Yes. It's good, right? Well, you know, Christy had never seen it. Never seen Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, so yeah, I but because it's too long. 
Right, she oh. won't see a movie over an hour and ten no, minutes or something. No, I, I just think it was just uh, you know, it just it was. But it's, she won't it's from see a movie 70s. over an hour and tw- it's twenty from minutes. The 70s. It's from the seventies. Tell me she her doesn't... rule. What's her rule? She will not see a movie over two hours. No, no, she will. She will. She like like you know, My Fair She's Lady. She's never and... seen The Godfather because she said she won't see a movie. She's over... seen The Godfather. She still hasn't seen Godfather Two. So I have to drag her to Godfather Two. It's all the seventies. <laughs> she doesn't like the look. It's all you know. It's like beards and hippies and desaturated <laughs> colors. Yeah, as as opposed to today, sucker punch. Exactly. Well, anyway, uh, no, Fiddler on the Roof, absolutely terrific. I don't know how we got onto that, but um, Julia McKenzie plays Miss Marple in uh, these four Blu-ray mysteries. Uh, so the, the one, obviously, here that everybody's excited about is The Pale Horse, but yes, they're finally out on Blu-ray. And we get The Pale, Pale Horse, The Blue Geranium, The Secret of Chimneys, and The Mirror Cracked from Side to Side, otherwise known simply as just The Mirror Cracked. And uh, pretty great. They look uh, they look decent on Blu-ray. The obvious quality issue here is that they are made for television, and were originally aired on uh, Mystery here on PBS, and didn't look so hot. So this is probably the best looking these things are ever going to be. So pretty cool. A lot of little bonus programs here, and uh, it's fun. Good cast. Good acting. Good cast. Wade, you know what else has good acting and a good cast? Uh, Small Wonder. Punky Brewster. Ah, season close. Three. Close. Punky Brewster's like small wonder, um, except without, without the battery. Without the diodes, pack. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, this is the worst. Punky Brewster, Turn Your World Around, 10 episodes. This is just a repackage of 10 episodes from season one. So oh, these are those Mill Creek uh, TV flashback things. This is actually Shout yeah. Factory. Shout did this. Well, Shout and Mill, and Mill Creek. It, it, it's, it, you know what? Well, it, Shout, Shout released <laughs> the season set, I believe. It's sort of like this. NBC sub-licenses to Shout, who sub-licenses to Mill Creek, I think. Right. I think that's how it works. Well, now from uh, the good folks at Mill Creek, we have 10 episodes uh, from season one. It's repackaged in a little thing called Turn Your World Around, which somehow winds up being a multi-disc set. I mean, really, they just crap this thing out. Best of season three has uh, 10 episodes from the third season of the show. And uh, it's just, come on. I know. Stop talking about this. That that flashback series also, uh, there's another one here, the best of season three, Simon and Simon, yeah, 10 episodes. Yeah, Simon I and Simon. I am not going to play the theme again. I've done that too many times. It's it's no longer a funny joke. Um, but, uh, you know, it's Simon and Simon, it's fun. But, you know, just 10 random episodes from season three, they don't very make the, strange. <laughs> they don't make detective shows like this anymore. They sure don't. No, it's all like procedural. It's all just yeah, self-serious. I, and... I, I, don't you miss the Magnum P.I., Simon and Simon? Well, I mean, Look, it's all Stephen J. Cannell and uh, Glenn Larson stuff, but but it, it, all the stuff that Cannell and Larson did in the '80s, they were like you know from Rockford Files, even in the '70s, Starsky and Hutch. You I know, know now that, it's, that was their spelling thing. It's like you know wisecracking guys, guys who joke. I know. I mean, look, Richard Belzer on on Law and Order is a comedian. When was the last time he told a joke on that show? Well, it's funny. Before Belzer did that comedian, guy, he, well, before he did that show, he did Homicide, which I actually liked right. a lot. I yeah, love Homicide. A good show. But uh, now they're all just too serious. They're way too serious. And also from the TV flashbacks thing, uh, California, the best of California dreams, 10 episodes from this show that, that just is unbelievable. How, how did this show ever even manage to catch anyone's attention? I mean, it literally came and went. It's so bizarre. It was just one of those horrible Saturday morning shows that tried to take advantage of the uh, Saved by the Bell phenomenon, and it just... So bizarre. Anyway, uh, 10 random episodes from that show and, you know, middling, uh, middling quality. And uh, a show that we were fond of growing up, Mark. I don't know about you, but I was never a huge Ultraman fan. I mean, yeah, I, I, like I guess Ultraman. it was kind of cool because he looked really funky. But you know what? I was I was really getting turned off to the Japanese shows because the because like they had like these weird people from another country called yeah. Japan, and the, the the dialogue didn't work because yeah, like their lips mean. weren't matching. And right. I didn't really get. It. Although when he was Ultraman, I thought it was really cool because he had a cool mask and he would make that little uh, X thing with his hands, and beams would shoot out. Damn right. You know the uh, the whole Ultraman phenomenon now has just gone crazy. There's there are like seven different kinds of Ultraman: Ultraman Giga, Ultraman Tiga, Ultraman Porno, Ultraman Ultraman Fatso, Porno, Ultraman Fatso, Ultraman Ultra- you know J- Crossdresser. So so in so if Jake and the Fat Man were redone, is a yes uh, exactly Ultraman yes. Oh, too funny. All right, so this is uh, Ultraman uh, Season 1, Volume 2. This, of course, is uh, based on uh, Ultraman. Uh, no, you know what? I I have to say, I, I think kids will get a kick out of this. Yeah. It's a little silly, but I think kids will get a kick out of it. Yeah, there you go. You know, I mean, this is just this is Japanese stuff, and uh, it was created in the 60s, and, you know, the, the original one was only like 39 episodes. I know. It was very 
brief run on Japanese television. And yet became a phenomenon here. That is true. Uh, Everwood, the complete fourth season, uh, ooh, includes never-before-seen alternate season four ending. Not that exciting. Always beware those alternate endings. If they were that exciting, they would have been the original ending. Uh, you know, this show, ha- it, it's, it's fine. I don't, I don't dislike it. It's, it just wears on you a little while. Um, I can't imagine four seasons of this being all that different from one season. But that being said, uh, a lot of great actors in this thing uh, who sh- who've since shown up in a lot of other TV shows. Um, you know, Treat Williams anchors it. Uh, you got Deborah Mooney and uh, Emily Van Camp and Vivian Cardone, Chris Pratt. Um, Greg Berlanti was an executive producer on that. Isn't that bizarre? Anyway, yeah, this is this is just one of those uh, small town shows. It's sort of a little bit like a Northern Exposure, except it takes place in the Rockies, um, and it doesn't. The people aren't quite as weird. No extras per se. Just that that uh, alternate ending thing and some extra scene stuff. No commentaries. Very sad. Very sad. Oh, wait, here's the thing. I love baseball, but yet I do not love Eastbound and Down. I know, I know. You're about to go, how can you not love Eastbound and Down? You know what? I don't love Eastbound and Down. First Why? of all, I don't, I'm not on the Danny McBride train. I'm just not. I just don't get it. I don't well, get Danny McBride. I, I was sort of on it, kind of, sort of. I thought he was, an, he was an intermittently amusing, supporting guy who would occasionally walk on on some of those Will Ferrell movies and just be momentarily funny for, like, one scene. And then, you know, Your Highness came out, and which and somehow he was able to get made because he wrote it. What a just wretched, god-awful movie that well, was. Well, because Dan McBride, he really can't act. Not a act. good writer. Not a good writer. Not a good writer. And, you know, he can't act. So if he shows up for one scene, the fact that he can't act almost makes it funnier. If he shows up for one scene, yeah. does his shticky shtick, and throws his, uh, his balloon animals around and leaves, his, his that's fine. Yeah. But if you give him a whole show every week, I'm just not buying it. Um, so on Blu-ray we have a uh, complete first season on Blu-ray and the complete second season on Blu-ray. And also, I don't like shows where like so many sitcoms nowadays and even in the past are about like like a TV executive burns out and goes back to his hometown. Oh yeah, no, no, that, that And it's like no. another one of these: a burned-out lawyer, a burned-out corporate the, lawyer. What was goes the, what to, the, the bowling the bowling alley thing that Letterman produced uh, that Worldwide Pants produced? Uh, Sam, Hal, Joe, Fred. Oh yeah, it was uh, Bill, with, with Tom Cavanaugh, right? Uh, yeah, Tom. What was that one? Uh, uh, it was, uh, uh, it was uh, Shecky. Uh, no, it was uh, Joe, Steve, Mel. Uh, yeah, whatever. Tom Cavanaugh. I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm. Kevin, uh, don't you stop the recording? I'm not going to. I'm going to. And, and also, because you know, the funny thing is that I used to, uh, I used to do a, uh, I used to do, I once tried to pitch a sitcom about a, um, a high-powered New York uh, TV executive mm-hmm. who burns out just like Danny McBride does in baseball and Eastbound and Down. Yes. And he has to go back home and manage his small town's public access station. There you go. So that way, every episode you get a couple of funny little public access, you know, comedians. Nobody and, bet, did they? And, they had all the Ed. excuses in the world. Ed. Ed, that was it. We weren't thinking short enough. So while you're uh, while you're doing all that, let's let's talk for a moment about uh, your favorite and not my favorite Mystery Science Theater 3000 in an all new, fascinatingly expensive tin box. That is a tin boxed set with five Gamera movies in it. This is Mystery Science Theater versus Gamera 21. This is volume 21 in the damn thing. Uh, here, here are the films that they mock in here. Gamera, the original. Gamera versus Baragon. Gamera versus Gaos. Gamera versus Guiron. And Gamera versus Zegra. Gosh, these names. Where do they come up with them? Anyway, uh, and then you also get bonus features. Uh, they're all kind of uh, uh, featurette things. Um, and the original Japanese trailers, by the way, which are pretty cool. Actually, I don't like the making fun of the Gamera movies, even though they just beg to be made fun of. Because Gamera, for crying out loud, who was the person in the middle of the of the uh, the Godzilla phenomenon, who said, you know, we got to come up with something just just as cool as Godzilla? I know, a turtle. <laughs> it's awesome. I, 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 I mean, really? Maybe the turtle has some cultural meaning to the Japanese. Mothra, I get it. Moths are creepy, right? Um, you know uh, the pterodactyl um, thing, the name of which I always forget. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, Terra Gira or whatever it is. Yeah, fine, I get it. It's a pterodactyl. That's freaky too. A turtle? Like really? That's the problem. Gamera's a freaking turtle, and the only thing scary about him is that, that he maybe spins a, like he spins like a flying saucer. It's ridiculous. But anyway, maybe a turtle has some sort of cultural importance. I Look, guess. turtle. Ja- you know what? Cultural depictions of turtles and and, and uh, tortoises. 
That's great. Anyway, it's a nice box set for those that like those movies or that like the uh, Mystery Science approach to mocking those films, but whatever. All right, According to traditional Japanese beliefs, the tortoise is a haven for immortals and the world mountain and symbolizes longevity, good luck, and support. Fabulous. A tortoise is the favored motif by Japanese carvers and is featured in traditional Japanese wedding ceremonies. So the, so the, the turtle means something to them. I'm sure it does. You are such a xenophobe. That's it. <laughs> you know what? I, I do hate Xena. I never really liked that show. Uh, I'm okay. right there with you. All right. I'm going to read us some listener mail real quick, and uh, Mark will then be back with some sports stuff. But uh, we got a great email here from um, Kyle Stevens, who writes us from time to time. He says, Netflix has a movie known as Transmorphers. I am awed to say the least. Can you please explain the business model to me behind this movie? Is it honestly just named like Transformers and hope that people will be suckered into buying or renting it? I'm as close to speechless as I've ever been. And I emailed them back and explained that uh, we are actually <laughs> we are actually friends and acquaintances of uh, one of the principals and founders of the company that uh, makes all of those movies. And the whole concept behind them is that they are mockbusters. They, this is, these guys literally, whenever there's a movie that's coming out like Transformers, they will go, Let, how can we piggyback on this and make uh, you know, a, little, uh, a little quickie thing like they did Snakes on a Train? When Snakes on a Plane came out. So this is their thing. They make these mockbusters that are meant to be sort of satirical and spoofy. They spend a buck fifty on them. They make them in about three weeks, and uh, you're done. So that's the business model. It's, it's really a very small market that they're catering to. Uh, we got an email from Walt Dietrich, who writes us every so often. And uh, I'll, I'm going to summarize this because he was asking a very important question. Uh, which was how much would you say the foreign box office revenues mean to a movie studio? Um, And uh, he he was talking specifically about the Shrek films, kind of breaking it down and uh, what the foreign was. There are a lot of new numbers out now just within the past few weeks, and that's uh, why I wanted to bring this up, because the movies that have been released this summer have been making uh, twice as much overseas, generally speaking, as they do here. The Harry Potter movie, out of control. Transformers, out of control. Completely off the hook overseas. I don't think that's going to last, but I do think that they're able to... um, I think people overseas haven't quite developed the ennui for these films that Americans have yet. Well, because the, the thing is, is that one of the major emerging markets is China. Yeah. And that's... Literally hundreds if, of millions of people who could see their movies. And if you look at movies like Cars, like Cars 2. Except China really controls what movies they allow. That's the thing. They only allow, yeah. like, I think 20 movies a year. Yeah. But they they got to loosen that up because because there's a lot of infrastructure uh, improvements in terms of multiplexes and movie theaters. Um, but if you look at Cars 2, yeah. there's a reason why Cars 2 takes place and, like, is about some, you know, around the world car race. Because what they've been doing is they've been replacing certain voices with local voices yeah. from that country. Yeah. And it's smart. It's what's going to happen. It's smart. I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's going to keep reaping those profits. I think it's going to be a DVD phenomenon that's going to plateau off, and they're going to realize there's a, a law of diminishing returns at some point. But that being said, uh, that's sort of where it is right now. But the economics of the movie business are the same. It, you, know, you still really only take half of the box office back. And then that has to be divided down with all of the gross participants, and then you have to pay for your marketing. And, you know, really, it's still a marginal business. Nobody's making, you know, untold billions off these things. They really are just, you know, if you're, if you're an actor or a writer or a director, yeah, you, you, you can, you know, on the, on the top tier, you can pull some bucks in. But, you know, the studios themselves are operating on very thin margins. And the bigger the movies and the more they spend on them, the more they spend on marketing, the less they make. I'm afraid to say. And I also got a great email from David Bier, our longtime friend uh, over in uh, Denmark. Oh, by the way, can I, can I yes. b- before we talk, uh, talk to David, Yes. can I say something about what? the Facebook page? Go ahead. Now, Facebook is doing this thing where you've got to change your uh, Facebook group to a who's yes. something. Yes. And I'm very confused because I think when we do that, which I think we are required to do, yes. we're going to lose everybody. Well, Yassin, who very faithfully maintains the uh, Facebook page, and uh, you know, he's, he's on top of that. So we're, we're, we may have to re-invite everybody, but for the time being, keep participating, keep uh, you know, posting questions in the forums and, and playing the game. And when everything has to change in some kind of a quantum way, we'll let you know. 
Uh, so David Pierre, uh, who writes a single-minded movie blog at singlemindedmovieblog.blogspot.com, uh, he and his uh, partner did a, an absolutely terrific uh, spec commentary for young Sherlock Holmes. And uh, I think uh, everybody should go check it out. So you want to go and find that at commentariesonfilm.blogspot.com backslash 2011 backslash 06 backslash young hyphen Sherlock hyphen Holmes dot HTML. Again, that's commentariesonfilm.blogspot.com backslash 2011 backslash 06 backslash young hyphen Sherlock hyphen Holmes dot HTML. Pretty terrific. Um, and uh, winding down on just some of the list are mail. We got uh, Timothy Struble who writes us and says, Dear Digigods, I was wondering, what is your pick of the week? Uh, my budget usually only allows me one Blu-ray a week, and I was wondering what you would recommend. Um, I think at the end of the episodes, uh, or you can put it on the Facebook page, but you should put your pick of the week because sometimes I don't get which DVD or Blu-ray is most recommended. You know, we'll, I think we're going to try and do that. It's, it's kind of hard because some weeks are really bad and other weeks are really good. And I would almost say sometimes you're best off not getting something one week and getting two the next. You know what I mean? Some weeks, I don't know, there's like three or four titles that I can't choose between. So it's really, really hard. But I think it, we might be able to kind of reach a consensus. Uh, that's we should probably talk about that because yeah, we'll I think there's that. definitely something there. Because there if you got twenty bucks, what do you spend it on? You come to exactly. the show and you want to know what to spend it on. Uh, yeah, and uh, like for instance, this week, I don't even I haven't seen everything we're talking about. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah. I don't even know what it would be this week. I don't know. I don't know. Now, I, now uh, uh, is if do, do we get the criterion of if? Isn't that coming out? Is that coming out this it week? Has not arrived yet. When, when does it come out? Uh, has not arrived Ray, yet. Yeah, let me look. Because that is a must. That is a must buy. I think it's end of the month. Oh, is it? I think. Because I'll tell you right now, start uh, start saving your shekels for that because that is one of my all-time favorite movies. August 30th. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. Save your shekels right now for the Criterion Blu-ray of If. And uh, uh, two more here. D- Digigods, it's Mahi. It's been a long time since I recommended it by Randall Byrne. Glad you made it to episode 200. Mahi, of course, was a big fan of uh, not only the podcast, but of Stupid for Movies. Yes. And uh, we, of course, had our 200th episode. Didn't make a big stink about it because 200 is kind of a weird number. But uh, he said, um, uh, the reason I started listening to your podcast was because of a bad troll comment that said, why are these on the IGN podcast? These guys suck. I felt it was right to spite this commenter and started listening to Digigods, became a fan because of pure malignity. God bless you, Mahi. Right on. I, I guarantee the guy who, who left that comment, that negative yeah. comment, was probably some guy who was 15 uh, years old yeah, and he hangs out in his basement and goes, Dude, I can't believe these guys don't oh. love everything ever. It's so rad. I can't believe it. And then he, he was there to pick up the banner for quality. He, that's it. Quality he said, I hope you continue to be awesome by reviewing movies. Your fan, Mahi123, P.S. Hobo with a Shotgun, best movie of 2012. <laughs> of 2012, which is next year. Awesome. I think that's Hobo awesome. with a Shotgun 2. It's hysterical. The Revenge. Last one here is from uh, John McDevitt. Uh, it says, uh, are you guys at all concerned about the effect that Netflix instant and similar services could have on movies or shows being released in actual high-quality formats going forward? Watching something like Kick-Ass on a non-HD stream seems counterproductive. Watching movies like The Thin Red Line on what Netflix calls HD seems like a mortal sin to me. There may, are many other cases where the aspect ratio is incorrect. I can't help but think this is probably already hurting the present and future of proper 1080p releases in both films and television. Why would the studios bother if nobody cares about seeing movies and shows the way they should be seen? Someday, bandwidth in the U.S. will be ready for true 1080 streams, but that day is not today, and it still might be 10 years away. Uh, And why would they bother with high-quality streams when the public doesn't care? I fear we may be entering another dark age similar to the prevalence of VHS when everybody went around watching butchered pan-and-scan movies in poor quality. Uh, You know what? I suspect that a lot of people... Here's my read on this, and Mark can disagree. In the days of VHS, there were two things going on. There was sell-through and there was rental. And they came out, you know, they really did make a good effort to do a lot of things, letterboxed for, you know, video files and movie lovers, um, and special editions, Lawrence of Arabia, things like that, and Sound of Music, which a lot of us bought. And I think we're moving back to that after the complete sell-through era of DVD, now where there are, again, collectors and renters. 
and ca- people who just want to casually see some piece of crap, they can watch it on Netflix streaming, decide if they want to like, you know, watch it or not. And sometimes they wind up buying it on Blu-ray because they want to own it. I think real collectors and movie fans embrace Blu-ray. And I think of, I, I, I'm not sure that it's going to everything's going to default to one or the other. I think now there's a choice, but I think the, the cream will rise to the top. Well, that's the danger. The danger is you have buyers, you have collectors, renters, and streamers. Some people like even renting a Blu-ray because they get all the extras. If you stream a film, you're not only getting it, you're not only not getting it in high depth, but you're not getting the extras. So you've got the, the collector who's the super fan, you've got the renter who's the prosumer, let's say, guy, and then you've got the very casual fan who just wants to go rent, who just wants to go stream what's it what for an evening, and that's it. That's it. And the thing is, is that with all these, with, with Netflix and Hulu and all these content deals coming up that the, that the studios are salivating over because they'll get hundreds of millions of dollars for their library for all these streaming uh, movies, uh, I'm afraid that the, that the studios are going to start caring more about streaming than they are about Blu-rays, Blu-rays for purchase. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure. I, I think, hope I, not. I, no, I don't think they will. I think they realize that there are different market segments to be served, and I don't think they're going to put all their eggs in one bucket. They tried that with DVD, and it flopped. And uh, in point of fact, the Blu-ray market has been growing rather steadily and rather uh, Slowly, but Slowly, Slowly but steadily. Slowly but steadily, which I would rather have it be that, you know, than a quick explosion and then a drop-off. So there it is. All right, Mark, tell us about sports. Sports? Yeah. I like sports. Yeah. What do you like? What do you like about them? I like baseball. Yeah, tell me about baseball. And apple pie and Chevrolet. Yeah, that's what you like. Uh, this is the uh, nine, uh, 2011 is the 20th anniversary of the uh, Minnesota Twins winning the World Series. And although the Twins are not doing very well this year, uh, in 1991, they won it all. And there are two DVDs all about the Twins. One is something called Magic in Minnesota, which is sort of a remembrance of the 1991 World Series. And uh, that's put out by Major League Baseball, so you'll definitely get all the, um, all the clips. And uh, it, was a great, it was a great World Series, considered one of the best. Five games were decided by one run. Four games were won in the last at-bat. And, in fact, the entire series was won in the last at-bat. But if you're, if you're a Twinkie fan, what you really want is the thing that I have for the uh, 86 Mets, which is a um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 disc set, 1991 World Series Minnesota Twins Collector's Edition. 19 hours of footage. Um, ESPN said it was the greatest World Series ever. This was the one, you know, um, the Major League Baseball Network, which, by the way, is You watch about, on your phone. Is, 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 kind I, of. I, I stream Met games. Yeah. On my, well, yes. Uh, but... 80% of my TV watching yeah. is, Major League Baseball. is the MLB Network. Yeah. And they had a series called 20 Greatest Games, where they counted down the greatest games yeah. of, the, of the last 50 years from 20 to 1. And number two was Game 7 of the, uh, of the Minnesota Braves series, which was uh, John Smoltz versus Jack Morris. And a great game it was, and uh, one of the classics. And uh, that's in the set, of course. So if you love the Twinkies, go for it, because uh, you certainly suck this year. Okay. Um, <laughs> but so do the Mets. Uh, we, you know what? The Mets, here's the thing with the Mets. We're terrible, but we're a pesky little team. We yeah, sort of. that's true. We're a pesky little team. You we, sure we, are. We're, we suck, but we kind of won't go away. Like, we won't just fade. We, we hover... You know, between 500 and maybe three, four games above 500, just good enough to not be dismissed, but yet really not that good. So I'm kind of proud of our boys. Anyway, uh, also, uh, Boston Bruins Stanley Cup 2011 champions. Now, there's a sport called hockey, which I uh, loved as a kid but has since, have since forgotten all about. I think there's a stick and some sort of a rubber flat pancake-looking thing. I think it's a puck. And you uh, hit it into a net. I think that's what happens. And yeah, a something like that. It's kind of like soccer, except they, there's no ball, and it's on the ice, and uh, yeah, they wear heavy clothing. I don't really know. Like, but all I know is that Boston waited like 40 years before they won the cup again. Yeah. And uh, they won it. And right here you have uh, the highlights here. Uh, this is an NHL-branded uh, DVD. Stanley Cup 2011 champions, uh, Boston Bruins. Okay, we're going to do some foreign stuff, and then we're going to... Uh, Pretty much wrap it up with uh, new movies, of which there's a lot of interesting stuff, but there's a lot of great foreign stuff this week. And we're going to start off with a film for which we are doing a giveaway. And this is a great giveaway, everybody. This is a terrific giveaway thanks to the wonderful people over at, uh, at that outstanding independent distribution company known as Strand. Uh, Strand, with this film, is officially releasing their very, very first ever Blu-ray. Now, Strand is a long-standing independent distribu- distributor. 
they do not sublicense their stuff to anybody else for home video. They do their own home video stuff, and they have held out quite a while before taking the dive into Blu-ray, and it is absolutely worth the wait, i got to tell you. Um, this is a terrific, terrific Blu-ray. The DVD is good, but the Blu-ray is the one that you're definitely going to want to get. We're giving away three of these, and the movie is Uncle Boonmi, Who Can Recall His Past Lives. That's right. Thanks to Strand, they are uh, allowing us to give away three Blu-rays of Uncle Boonmi, Who Can Recall His Past Lives, the film which won the Cannes Film Festival last year in uh, 2010. And uh, the director of the film, for those who don't know, is the uh, terrific Thai director, Mark. Oh, why are you doing uh, Joe. That's it, Joe. But I'm going to try to pronounce it. <laughs> uh, it is. Now, the thing is that once you get it once, you sort of know what it is. You can sort of, it, it, can, it can trip off the tongue. It can, but we're uh, not good at it. No, I'm, I'm going for it. Uh, hang on. Uh, you're going to look for a phonetic pronunciation online is what you're doing. No, you're cheating. I'm not. Hang on. Wait, wait. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm waiting. Humdi dumdi. Well, so okay. meanwhile, while Mark is looking for a way to pronounce okay. this. No, 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 no. I'm, I was okay. looking because I can't read it off the back of the DVD uh, package. It's too okay. small. Okay. okay. A pick. Uh, Yes. A Pikachong, we're a Seekathul. Pretty close. Now, we're a Seekathul, I think, is right. We're a Seekathul. We're a Sethacool, or we're a Seethacool, either way. We're a. Yeah, we're Apichat, a Apichat Pong, we're a Seekathul. That's okay. his name. L- literally, his name is Ap- yeah, Apichat all those Apichat Thai names. Pong, we're a Seekathul. Yeah, all those Thai names. But the, people call him. It's Joe. Yes. Yeah, he's and that's not Joe. a joke. People call him Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you, I mean, if the, if the, they, they will introduce him as Joe. He's just known as Joe, and I think it's awesome. Now, what anyway. I wonder is if you live if if you live in that part of the world, is that like is is is, is that name like John Smith to you? Um, no, they're all pretty unique over there. No, but like if 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 I was his neighbor, uh, would I would I walk up to him and go, I cannot pronounce your name? I don't know. Or would I? Or is that name like Joe Smith to us? Maybe. Exactly. Well, anyway, here's what you get on the Blu-ray. Uh, just got to get the Blu-ray, man. We're going to give away three of these. And, and send us um, – here's what you got to do. Send us uh, an email with Joe in the subject line, just Joe, and include your name and your address. And we will randomly select three very, very lucky winners to receive the uh, Blu-ray of uh, Uncle Boonmi, who can recall his past lives. And as long as they get to us, um, you know – Dated on as long as the the email is dated no later than the uh, than the fifth, you're good. So the fifth, uh, make sure everything's dated by the fifth, and uh, that's that's fine. August fifth. Uh, here's what you get: you get the incredible movie, the beautifully photographed movie, which is really extraordinary. It's basically kind of a, it's a almost a surrealistic, magical, realistic Thai ghost film about a guy who's uh, reaching the end of his life, and it's just fantastic. It's just so beautiful, and a little bit like uh, Wild Strawberries. Uh, a little bit of a of a ghost movie, but uh, it's surreal. It's magical. It's just wonderful. It's an absolutely fantastic, one of a kind film. Almost impossible to describe, but you will see when you see it exactly why this won the Cannes Film Festival. It's great. It's, it's totally unique. And then we also have a couple of films from uh, Raro Video, who releases a mostly really kind of obscure Italian stuff. Um, this is this is a film that I had never heard of. They are claiming that it was referenced in Kill Bill Part Two. This is Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man, uh, and uh, this is just totally bizarre. This is uh, I've, I don't know anybody in it. Ray Lovelock, Mark Perel. I don't know who these people are, and uh, the director Ruggiero Diodato, basically an exploitation guy. It's one of these cop films. Is one of these generic 70s European um, cop films that is famous basically because it has this motorcycle chase in it, which is admittedly unbelievable. It's absolutely extraordinary. Uh, apparently because they had absolutely no permits to do it. Uh, apart from that, the, um, the movie itself isn't really that great. But it, it's a hell of a it's a hell of a chase scene. It really is. Um, otherwise, just a really super ultra violent kind of a European cop film from the from the seventies. More interesting from Raro Video is La Rabia, which is a, a fascinating film that is so timely right now. I swear, in the wake of we don't talk about politics on this show, but in the wake of the debt crisis, this movie is like the one you want to show everybody. Um, this is an, a this is a fascinating kind of counterpoint counterpoint. Crossfire uh, collision of sensibilities. Uh, two parts to this film, each one a little bit under an hour, 
And it's, it was made to uh, kind of counterpoint the leftist and rightist sentiments in Italy in the 50s and 60s. Pasolini, the great filmmaker who uh, was very, very left-wing, completely Marxist, he directed part one. And then Giovanni Guareschi, who uh, was a very, very well-known uh, right-wing commentator and uh, right-wing figure around the same time, does part two. And uh, it's fascinating. You know, it's primarily centered around uh, social and political circumstances in Italy in the 50s and 60s. But I swear this could be the United States today. It really could. Just as polarized. Hi, Wade. Great film. And uh, last few foreign films. A couple of great French films from last year on, uh, on Blu-ray here. Uh, Blu-ray DVD combo packs of Of Gods and Men and Winter in Wartime. Did you see either of these, Mark? I saw Of Gods and Men. You know, Gods and Men got the grand prize last year at the uh, Cannes Film Festival, almost beating Uncle Boonmi. Could have beaten Uncle Boonmi, but it didn't. It's a pretty great film. I, I uh, learned to love monks in this movie. What did you think? Uh, it's, it's terrific. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, you, you, you know what else was terrific? What is terrific? I believe that um, uh, you know at Comic Con they announced that um, possibly Star Trek: The Next Generation on Blu-ray coming. Oh, it's so overdue, right? Uh, yes, totally. CBS is working on it. Yeah, remastered sometime in 2012. This is uh, no, actually, it's terrific. Lambert Wilson is an actor who's totally come into his own. You know, Lambert Wilson used to be back in the 80s when I lived in France. He was like kind of the Tom Cruise of the day. He was a little bit of a hunk, and now that he's older. He's just, he's really taking these interesting parts. And um, this is the, this is uh, loosely based on actual events um, about those, if you remember in like the, in 1996, there were those monks that were kidnapped in Algeria. And uh, this is the, this is kind of loosely based around the monks that lived there for a number of years. And uh, it, it kind of tackles a lot of the religious conflicts of the day head on. And it's interesting because it's all in kind of a pre- 9-11 environment, but in a 1990 circumstance when Algeria was just torn apart by religious strife. A beautiful film. And then there is another outstanding film, Outside the Law, otherwise known as Or la Loi, the French... <coughs> Jeez, you are a mess, aren't Hi, you? Wade. You're a mess. <laughs> Don't uh, stop the recording. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Uh, this is a terrific film from uh, Rashid Bouchareb, who is the uh, Franco, Franco-Algerian <laughs> filmmaker. I'm going to ignore you. I'm just going to ignore you. Franco-Algerian filmmaker who made the very, very good Days of Glory, which is kind of like glory, uh, except it's set during World War II, and it's about the uh, North African um, uh, Muslim and uh, Arabic soldiers who fought for the French during World War II. Uh, this is kind of a semi, it's a companion film, a lot of the same cast, semi-sequel to it, not really a literal sequel, but it, it, it fits with it. It's um, a story of three brothers who are uh, fighting for Algerian independence after World War II. So it kind of, in a way, sort of picks up where the other film left off. Um, the fight for Algerian independence is a very ugly subject still to this day in um, uh, in uh, in France, but uh, you know this is an epic film, beautifully made, incredibly well acted, uh, a little bit formulaic because we've all seen those you know brothers that go in different directions movies, right? Every brother kind of is 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 an iconic representation of some social archetype somewhere in the world. But um, otherwise, a very very good film and a beautiful transfer on Blu-ray. So that is uh, that's really really first rate. And, um, you know, can't, can't debate with that one. And then another great foreign film on Blu-ray is Winter in Wartime. Um, we all think we've seen enough World War II films until you, until you see another really good one. This is uh, a, a rather interesting um, look at the uh, Nazi occupation of Holland right around the end of World War II. And uh, not a lot of, you know, I mean, I always enjoy the, the, this particular take when you see it in a Dutch film, in a Belge film, in... Uh, you know, a Danish film, because we get German films dealing with World War II, British, French, done to death. But those little countries that were occupied have very, very different experience. And uh, Norwegian films, you know, anybody, any of those smaller countries that were occupied uh, by the Nazis in World War II have some very, very different to- uh, stories that they tell. And this is a good one. Uh, it's about a 13-year-old boy who uh, rescues a British paratrooper and as a result finds his way into the uh, Dutch resistance. You know what? A lot of movies about resistance, but this is beautifully shot, really, really well written, uh, very reverentially made. And you can't say that about a lot of Dutch movies these days because there just isn't that much money to go around for them. But that also, like, uh, that is also a Blu ray DVD combo. 
just like uh, of gods and men. So uh, bravo to the uh, the good people at Sony for uh, releasing good films, really good foreign films, in Blu-ray and DVD combo packs. About damn time. You know, if I want to, if I have a son, I'm going to name him Dutch. All right, and now new releases. Mark, <laughs> go. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rio is a three-disc set. We have a Blu-ray, a DVD, and a digital copy. Um, I don't know this movie. I know the, I know the, uh, the Angry Birds game, basically. Oh, I love Angry Birds. I, I made you buy Angry Birds. Angry, you Birds, not... Angry Birds Rio. They, there's a the, whole the, separate yes. Angry Birds game based around this. Yes. It's and very strange. By the way, Angry Birds, greatest game ever. Yeah, it's addicting to an almost crack cocaine level. Uh, it's, uh, you know what? I have to say, I, I didn't want to get any games for my iPad. Yeah. Because I wanted my iPad to be more about news and uh-huh. other like, you know, you know You're in, intellectual pursuits. Well, of course, I had to get uh, Angry Birds. Of course you did. And now I play it all the time on my yeah. iPad. Um, anyway, this is uh, a gorgeous looking film that uh, I think is better than the Ice Age films. At least from a visual standpoint. Yep. And uh, you know it's it's cute, it's funny. You know it's just it did very well. I was kind of surprised, um, and it's got kind of that it's got that cool like the you know the soundtrack is overseen by Sergio Mendez, so it's kind of like funky bossa nova sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's got a lot of fun music and fun vibe to it. Um, you know the story is exactly what these things always are. You know, just a, a bird is now trying to find himself as opposed to uh, you know a boy or a girl or whatever yep. or a robot. Yeah. And uh, you know it's cute. It's cute. If, if nothing else, the, the whole Brazilian backdrop is at least different. Right. In terms of these animated films. Yep. You know, a lot of times you're, no, you're, you're in New York, you're on Mars, you're on whatever. I gauge that from the game. <laughs> did, you, did, did you download the game? Yeah, I got the game. Oh I've God. gone through every level of every Angry Birds game ever made. Have you really? Absolutely. Dude, I'm an addict. I still haven't finished the first. The, I still haven't finished the original Angry oh Birds gosh. game. No, like three stars on every level of every level of every game. That's I don't. You know what? what well, okay, now answer a question for me. Yes, because I don't know this. What? What did the stars signify? Well, you have to reach a certain point level. Like, you, if if you only get you know one star, that means you haven't scored enough points. You haven't done do it what? well enough. We haven't done it well enough. You haven't done the level well enough. It means that you've killed all the pigs or monkeys or whatever it is that you're doing. But you um, you need to do it more destructively. You need to wreck more stuff. So, but if I do wreck more stuff, what does that get me? Do more I points. get more points? Yeah, and then, and then when you what? get three when you get three stars on every level, then that unlocks some little uh, special golden egg deal. So you so you've gotten three stars on on every level of like. Let a me pig. put it this way: everything that you can do in Angry Birds, <laughs> I've done ever. And that has like a bonus level thing on it. It looks like so I'm going to have to get that and download that bonus damn level thing. Oh, awesome. Okay. Got a very weird movie here. It's a Blu-ray DVD combo uh, starring Dax Shepard and directed by Dax Shepard and uh, written by Dax Shepard. I don't know that Dax Shepard should really be a hyphenate auteur these days, Mark. What do you think? Oh, you know what? Actually, I, I don't really like Dax Shepard, but I'll say this. He was very funny. I admit yeah. it. He was very funny in uh, Idiocracy. You know what? Dax Shepard's a very funny guy, and I actually liked him in Baby Mama. I thought he was outrageously funny in Baby Mama. He really is funny in that movie. But um, that being said, uh, this is an odd movie. Uh, it's not really – it's not a terrible film, but it's not as funny as it probably should be. It's a little too narcissistic. This is from, uh, from Wellgo, who usually does the martial arts stuff. Dax Shepard plays, plays himself and uh, decides to become a martial arts – action star and uh, it's kind of you know it should be funnier than it is but a little too navel gazing anyway um, you know there's a lot of people who show up in here to kind of uh, throw him a, a bone just nicely uh, Tom Arnold and Bradley Cooper show up in here and you know that's fine but don't look at it unless you're a crazy Dax Shepard fan but uh, Blu-ray DVD combo it's fine audio commentary with uh, Dax Shepard and uh, some of the others deleted scenes Oh, Wade. What? What? We're talking to talk about that? Yeah, well, that, you're, you're, that's your part of your baseball thing, right? Yes. We have, well, we have to talk about these. Yes, we will, yes. Because I, I put them in the metadata. Oh, <laughs> so did you already? <laughs> we, we have no choice. I, I already emailed you the metadata, <laughs> so we have to talk about those films. Um, anyway, uh, The Perfect Game. You know, I love baseball, but I don't love The Perfect Game. Although, you know what? It, it, you know, it, it's really corny, The Perfect Game. And... But I enjoyed that kind of Eisenhower era look, and it's got a mariachi score, and that's kind it's of It's well-intentioned, but it's flawed. It's very well-intentioned, but uh, yeah. flawed. 
It's yeah. about these Hispanic uh, boys who uh, are on a Sandlot baseball team. And, uh, you know, if you've gone through every single solitary baseball film ever, I guess you can go for this one. But, um, you know, it's based on a true story, which is terrific. Yeah, it's, it, 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 that's a great, it's a great true story. But it's just, for me, it's just a little too corny and a little too formulaic for it to really break out in a crowd. And, and the idea of seeing Cheech Marin play like a priest is just bizarre to me. Uh, Spy Kids, the Spy Kids trilogy. I, you know what? I li- I really like Spy Kids too. I did. I admit it. Oh, oh so you can keep you can tell them apart, can you? I just remember seeing Spy Kids two on a plane. Uh huh. <laughs> well, like Spy movie. Kids one, two, and three are all out finally on Blu-ray. Now, this is because remember these are Miramax films. The Miramax Library was in limbo for the longest time, and all the A-list Miramax titles have been licensed to Lionsgate now that all of that is resolved. And uh, i got to say, I still don't find these films very compelling. I think they're really irritating, and I think uh, Rodriguez's reliance on green screen, green screen effects are, are, are just is so irritating. But It was irritating in Lava Girl versus... Uh, oh, it's just so irritating Ultra here. Boy, it's, just, it it's way too overdone. But that being said, uh, forget about whether or not you love or hate the films. The Blu-rays, great transfers. And a lot of that is because there's so much digital material on here that it almost can't help but look good. But they, they, you know, they could have screwed it up. They could have just said, we're the new Miramax, we're cheap, we just want to make some money off of stupid people who don't really expect much out of Blu-ray. But they did. They didn't do that. They, um, uh, they really spent some time on this. So all three of these films, they have all of those gobs of extras that you've, you've probably seen already before. Audio commentaries from Rodriguez and his 10-minute film school and heaps of featurettes and uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. I mean, it's all, you know... All rather boilerplate, and uh, most everybody has seen that stuff. But um, you know, they've um, they, they it's it. I'll give them credit; they did it right. And you also get digital copies on these, assuming that you want to watch Spy Kids on your phone, which some of your kids may actually probably do. Yeah, that's they may true. Do it. They or, may do it. You know, also don't forget some of these digital copies. Also, I presume, maybe iPad. not. Either iPad, or they also might work for um, the, the 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 little TVs in the back of uh, minivans. Oh, yeah, true. Good point. Right. Yeah. Um, they're making a new Conan. They've made it, and it comes out in a couple weeks. I don't it understand. Looks it, it looks terrible. And the original ain't that great. No. I enjoy it. I mean, at, I, at, I love it for the music more than anything. At least the original, first of all, was directed by John Milius. Yes, who's a very macho, beefy, militaristic. It's he oh, that look, guy owns it. When 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 Conan's mom is killed, and the and the hair, the slow motion, the whole thing, it's great. Max von Sydow's in it. I know. I James mean, Earl Jones is a snake. <laughs> um, so Conan, the Barbarian, is kind of a real movie. Yeah, it is. Now the sequel, Conan the Destroyer, terrible, is terrible. But they're both out on Blu-ray, and you know what? I, I do not find these two covers to be. Like Almost poor, identical. Like also poorly printed. Like it, that's not a very yeah. vibrant color. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to cut them some slack. And and the, and the transfers are uh, are middling. Um, they could have done a better job on the transfers. Universal, I think, is kind of phoning it in some days here. But here's what I here's what I like about this. I think the audio is great. The lossless audio, man, that Basil Polidorus music music for Conan is just great. It's one of the great scores of the last fifty years. And it's unfortunate it wasn't for a better movie. But it's a great piece of music, and you will never hear it as well as you hear it in, uh, when you watch it on Blu-ray. So that you just gotta do, man. It rocks. I agree. Uh, we're uh, right here at the end of the show, so we're gonna make mention of a couple of things. For people who are uh, big fans of uh, all their teen movies from the 80s, you know what? Better Off Dead, baby. Better Off Dead. John Cusack. Hilarious movie. I'm thrilled to see it on Blu-ray. It, uh, you know, Savage Steve Holland didn't do much after this, but he wrote and directed a pretty great movie in uh, Better Off Dead, which I saw. Do you know where I saw this? Uh, in your pants. I saw this. I didn't see this on, on, uh, on a movie screen. I saw it right after it came out, but I saw it on VHS right after it was released in the movie theaters. Ask me how I did that. How did you do that, Wade? I saw it on the USS Enterprise. On the naval ship. The naval ship USS Enterprise, that's right, which I toured and uh, got to know a bunch of the sailors when it was docked at Toulon, France, and we uh, we got to watch uh, Better Off Dead, kicking, How, kicking with the U.S. sailors on the USS Enterprise. Yeah, because they get it all from the studios. How well did you know these seamen? Oh, you're a sick man. But uh, I anyway, am sick. you know what? Again, not a great transfer. This is a Paramount uh, CBS transfer, but uh, it, it, you know what? Perfectly fine. The movie belongs on deep on Blu-ray, so it it now lives on Blu-ray. Watch Better Off Dead. So Wade, uh, <coughs> yes, sir. So you Wade, okay? 
getting there. So Wade shows me the Blu-ray from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I'm like, I already have this Blu-ray. Yep. So I pull out my Blu-ray. Yep. And it's already come out on Blu-ray. Oh yes, but this the is same the, extras. This is the 25th anniversary re-release. It's got the it's same. It's a repackage. It's got the same extras. Yeah, it's no different. It's just 25th anniversary. Don't buy this. They just put a, a cardboard sleeve on it that's, that has a big 25, and and uh, we rock and roll. All right, that's it, folks. So, uh, Bueller, Bueller, send us uh, emails to gods at digigods.com with Joe in the subject line if you want that Blu-ray for uh, Uncle Boonmi, who can ret- uh, recall his past lives. Make sure it gets to us by the 5th, that the uh, timestamp on the email is no later than the 5th, and uh, we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.